our mission as a church is to do two things. One, we want to help all of us connect with God. And two, secondly, we want to help each other learn to live great lives. The question that begs is, what does a great life look like? What does it look like? What does it look like for me? And if you've got a kid, and I found this as a parent incredibly confronting, what does a great life look like for my kids? How am I going to parent my kids? What, do, what, is, what, is, what does that look like? Now, this, this is the question of the ages. Philosophers throughout human history have grappled with that. They would phrase it more along the lines of what is... What is a good person and what is a good life? Uh, what is it? And I was thinking about this and praying about it as we enter the new year. And uh, in my Bible reading and devotions this week, I came across Galatians 5. And I thought, this nails it. This tells us very clearly, very, very simply and succinctly, from God's point of view, if there is a God... And, uh, and this God has spoken to us and speaks to us through the Bible, which is, which is what we think here. Um, what, is, what is life? What is the great life? Well, this is what it is. Um, firstly, it's a life where we are free. You, my brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul says, were called to be free. Isn't that wonderful? What does that mean? means, firstly, a great life is a life where we are free to choose. We are not victims. We are not uh, simply particles plus progress on a deterministic uh, travelator of evolution, where, where everything is simply a product of our genetic material. We're not genetic determinists. We're free to choose to be different. We are not psychological determinists. That is, not everything you do is your mum's fault. Do I hear an amen from the mothers? Yeah. It's not all your... What, where you have come from does not determine or control necessarily what you do now. Because we're free. We're free to choose. And if you've been in church for a while, this last one might seem a little controversial. We are not theological determinists. God is, has not created you as a puppet. You have been called to be free. You can choose how to live. I can choose how to live. God, right the way through Scripture, has called us into a relationship of interdependence and then says, choose me. Choose to live my way, which the implication of which is you can choose not to. And you and I know that, don't we? Maybe if we've been around church for a while, we've imbibed this idea that God is completely in control and sovereign and and at one level, I want to say, yep, that's true. But actually, when I read the Bible, I also want to say more profoundly and personally important is the fact that you can't blame God for your problems. I mean, you can. 
and you do, and maybe he is responsible to the same degree your genetic makeup is and your mum is and your dad is and your past is. They all contribute. But no matter what has happened there, no matter what is happening in the heavens, God says we're free. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, our problem, of course, is I love to be free when things are going well and I'm free to choose what's good. Um, but, but actually, when I make dumb choices and things don't work well, then I, I find freedom more problematic. But I'm free. I'm, so what do I do with that freedom? Well, uh, a great life means that I don't use my freedom to indulge the flesh. Okay, so I've got two choices. One, I use my freedom for myself. I say, I'm going to use this wonderful, metaphysical, psychological, organizational, theological freedom just to get what I want. So it's a possibility, and a lot of us do that. We're quite good at it. He says, don't do that. Rather, rather uh, serve one another humbly in love. So this is it. If you want to know what a great life is, and if you want to parent your kids in the direction of a great life, and if you want to grow old as a truly great person, it's really simple. Spend your life serving one another Humbly in love. That's the point of our freedom. And the good news of Christianity, the wonderful news, is that because of what God has done in us, we are now actually capable of doing and living this kind of way. We don't have to be selfish anymore. We're not captive to our past. We're not captive to our present. We're not captive to our own brokenness, to our own sinfulness, to our own wickedness. We have the freedom to actually be able to serve one another humbly in love. Why? Because the entire Torah, the entire law, God's whole vision for humanity, the Creator's design for you is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. That's why a great life is serving one another humbly in love, because actually when you go back, the whole, it's really simple, like Christianity. And Christianity is so simple. Like life is so simple. Just love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor, do as you please. That's it. We complicate it, we mess it up. Really simple. So, um, on a scale of one to ten, think about this past week. Uh, and I want you to rate yourself on a love scale where one is. I've pretty much entirely just loved myself and not loved my neighbors. I've, I really have not paid much attention to anyone else but myself. That's been this week for me. And 10 is, I've, every waking moment, I've paid as much attention to the needs and the well-being of everyone around me as I have to my own needs and well-being. Okay? So, so 10 is, 
I care and think as much about everybody else out there all the time as I do about myself. Okay, that's 10. One is, I never think about anyone but myself. And think about the past week. Where would you rate yourself? Oh, you don't have to yell it out, but we heard a four. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so uh, we could have a show of hands and... Uh, yeah, no, just saying four's pretty good. Four's pretty good. Might be a little optimistic for some of us. Are there any tens here? No, nines, eights. Okay, that's really hard. Sevens. Sixes. Oh, I've got a few sixes. Oh, that's pretty good. Maybe after church, just check in with your wives over that, because it was just blokes putting their hands up there, funnily enough. Um, just check and say, so, uh, so, sweetheart, over this week, do you reckon 60% of the time I was as focused on your needs as I was on mine? Just do a reality check. Okay, so we're down at around five. So most of us are 50% and below in terms of our love over the week. So that's hard. So... Let's make it a little easier. Think about this morning. How, how did you go this morning? And it's hard, isn't it? If you've got kids, it's pretty much impossible to come to church without sinning. Um, like it just is. You just can't. Like, I mean, it's like you need a cattle prod. And, uh, and there's a miracle that happens. I don't know if you've realized this, families. Uh, this is just a word to you all. These doors here, you know this little porch that we've got, the entryway in the church? They are magical. Do you know why? Because on the other side, you are fighting, you are frustrated, you are grumpy with each other, you're stressed, you are thinking the worst, your head is full of thoughts like, why do I even bother to come to church? Why did I marry in the first place? The reason my kids are the way they are is because your mother's a, you know, you, that's what's going on. But you know what happens when you walk through those doors? <sighs> Hallelujah. God is so good, and my children are beautiful, and at least they're more beautiful than yours, and I love you, honey, don't I? It's magic. So why do I say all of that apart from going for some laughs? Uh, Christianity is so simple, but so challenging. Like, love is so challenging to actually do it. Um... Here's a way to think about, so, so this, is, this is what it says. Uh, we, we need to do this because actually if you don't do it, we destroy each other. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed. So the alternative to love is destruction. And, and we all know that. If I just worry about my needs and you worry about your needs, what we're going to end up doing is destroying each other. Uh, and then there's a lovely list of... Um, um, all the things that we do when we live for ourselves. But this is the key then. If, if it's simple but challenging, the answer is this. How am I going to get the power to love? Well, I'm going to do it by the Spirit of God. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that the Christian life is lived from the inside out 
And from the inside out, what I want to do is have the breath, the pneuma, the energy, the power, the presence of God Himself coming and renewing me and guiding me and leading me. I can't love under my own strength, at least not for very long. But the brilliant thing about Christianity is we're not left to do it by ourselves. God says, love, and I as the infinite personal being who is love, I will come and give you the power to love if you want it. If you want it. Okay? There is, uh, now I'm, I'm going to show you a little picture here. Um, and, and picture might be an optimistic description of it. Um, if you've been around church a while, you know one of the things I try to do is take the stuff that God has said in Scripture over the last, you know, two, three thousand years and show how contemporary psychology and sociology sort of lines up with that. And there is an approach to um, understanding ourselves now that is called Internal Family Systems, IFS. And the insight of IFS... And it is that we are made of many parts. You and I have many parts. Right? And you will identify with this. Let me show you this. Um, you can be a follower of Jesus and you can say, yeah, I really want to love. Okay? You, you'll say that, right? I really want to love. Um, but then there's a part of you that that really is drawn to sexual immorality. And, and maybe actually engage, but, but you're still, you, you really want to walk with the Spirit, you still want to love, but you also want to do this. You, there's a part of you that really wants to live a pure life, but you are drawn to impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. There's a part of you that really, really wants to walk in the way of Jesus, full of forgiveness, but you find there's another part of you that very quickly is moved to hate. Uh, you, you, there's a part of you that wants everyone in your family to get along, but then you have Christmas lunch together. That actually was the beauty of COVID. Many people didn't have to go through this experience, right? You want to get along with your family, and then you actually have lunch with them, and you find you're full of discord. There's a part of you that wants to celebrate people at work who get promoted, but you're, you're consumed with jealousy. There's a part of you that's given to fits of rage, I mean, again, the magic doors take care of that so we don't see it here in church. It's part of you given to drunkenness. Battle with all kinds of addictions. You know, like, part of you really loves Jesus. But another part of you really needs that glass of wine when you put the kids to bed, followed by one or two after that just to get you through the night. So what do we do with that? Um, here's... He says this, um, I have a core, a core self. This is the part of me that is made in the image of God. Uh, this is the bit of me that is um, never lost. This is the part of me whose natural inclination, the inner nature of the core self, is always to love, Right? The problem is, 
as we go through life, we have many other parts as well, right? And many of those parts are really hurt. So there's, they carry great burdens of pain, rejection, fear. And as a result of that, we develop these parts, develop strategies to manage the pain. So there's a part of you that develops envy, consumed by envy because, because that's how you deal with your own feelings of inadequacy. There's a part of you that turns to alcohol. There's a part of you that turns to porn. There's a part of you that, uh, that turns to, um, to being a critic, always criticizing others or yourself, and nothing's ever good enough. It's the perfectionist part because you're, you're trying to deal with the pain of disappointment and so on. Now, biblically, what we can say is This here is what the Bible would call the flesh. And uh, this here is the spirit. This part of us, the core self, that never loses the fundamental orientation to love. The problem in our lives is when the parts call the shots. When we act and live as though we're all anger or all addiction or all... uh, Whatever it is, whatever fearful, broken parts of us are driving us and controlling us. Now, if you've been here a while, you'll also know that it's at the level of the parts that Satan and, uh, and the fallen Elohim come to work, right? So, um, so how does spiritual temptation work? Well, Satan gets in and influences these parts. Works with them. So that they guide us into the way of destruction and division and discord and death. How does the Holy Spirit work? Well, the Holy Spirit works here. To keep in step with the Holy Spirit is to invite God into your core self, to heal and restore your core self, so that this core self, this love, actually actually releases and guides and heals all the other parts of you. So the path of walking in step with the Spirit is is allowing each of those fleshly, dysfunctional, burdened, hurting parts to actually come to Jesus and be healed and set free. So bring your criticism to Jesus. Bring your lust and your porn to Jesus. Bring your envy to Jesus. Bring your fear of failure to Jesus. And bring those things into into the love of Jesus. So that they're not controlling you and in the end you walk in step with the Spirit so you can love. And the journey of growth is discovering <laughs> discovering that, oh, I thought I was loving, but actually I'm still just being controlled or shaped or driven by this part of me or that part of me. And that's not who I really am. See, this is so important to remember as a, as a human being. You're fundamentally good. Like, to live a life of love is what we're made for. That's never lost. It just gets squashed and distorted and sidelined so we can't live it out because what we're then doing is we're being controlled by the other parts. You go, no, no. What God's plan is to, is to so intertwine himself with the core of our being 
that this fundamental nature that we have of love becomes the thing that calls the shots. So when I'm scared of what people will think of me and that starts to cause me to be selfish and divisive, I can actually repent of that and say, no, that part of me doesn't. That's a part and it's there for a whole bunch of good reasons, but that's not who I really am. Who I really am is a man full of the Spirit of Jesus who is made to love others and love my neighbor as myself. Now I can do that. That's Galatians 5. Here's the thing that is interesting, though, that I love about this. Um, the difference between Christian growth and psychology and much contemporary psychology and counseling as I've experienced it is this. A lot of us, when we go into therapy, go into therapy because we want to feel better ourselves, about ourselves. We want more peace. We want to feel, we want to be able to just feel better about ourselves, right? And that's not bad. But you know what the Christian vision is? I go into therapy because I discover as I try to humbly serve you in love that I have these parts in my life, these things that are actually blocking my ability to love you. So I go into therapy, I repent and grow so that I can love you. Not in the first instance so that I can feel better about myself, though that will happen mostly. Does that make sense? So the other way of putting it is I'll really discover, I'll really discover to what extent these fleshly parts of me are ruling my life versus the Holy Spirit of love ruling my life. I, that is really exposed when I try and love you because then I see all the ways I fail. And then I go, oh, okay, I've got to deal with this. I've got to deal with that. I've got to deal with the other thing. If you've been blessed to be married for a while, you will have experienced this. Marriage is war. Isn't it? Like, try be, you know, living up close to somebody for a long time. It's, it just confronts you with the extent to which, though you want to love this person, there are all these things that get in the way of it. The other way of thinking about it is, um, and this is from a marriage and family, Jewish marriage and family therapist called David Snarch, who's written a wonderful book called Passionate Marriage. And Snarch says, marriage is like a crucible. You know, it's like a crucible where you put a bunch of different ingredients in it and you bang it and you bang it and you bang it and you bang it and you mix it all up and it says, that's what marriage is like. You just And then something wonderful comes out at the end because the real spiritual growth will happen in you and in me when I forget about myself and the Spirit of God draws me to try and love you and in the work of trying to love you, I discover how much I need Jesus and how much these other parts of me are at work. And then I can repent of them and I can come back to Jesus and I can be healed and I can be set free. Because the core of who you are is love. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is actually allow that core to now become the whole of you. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Uh, that's why the church is meant to be a healing center. It's what we're here to do. We've been set free to do this. 
But we've got to allow this calling. You know, when we live a great life, we've got to allow this to really shape us and drive us. The, it's not just marriage is a crucible. A local church is a crucible. Heavens. Try living with each other for long enough. You discover how hard it is. But, but in the learning, you say, serve one another humbly in love. And as you and I put our heads to do that, down to do that, you know what? We're going to have so many opportunities to repent. <laughs> so many opportunities to discover how the parts of us that are ungodly and unloving really control us. That we've got a lifetime of healing and wholeness ahead of us. Isn't that wonderful? And if that doesn't work, just take drugs. Because if you just want to feel good about yourself really quickly, really just take drugs. Uh, that's the answer. Like, this isn't the path to feeling good about yourself quickly, but it's the path to a truly great life. And that's what Jesus calls us to. It'll heal your relationship with yourself. It'll heal your marriage or your long-term relationship, your partnering. It'll heal your parenting. It'll heal your extended family. And it'll heal us. And then in time, it'll heal the community. That's what God wants to do, right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, let's pray that um, your Holy Spirit will work in us as a family. That you'll give us the vision and the desire to serve one another humbly in love. And that as we do that, uh, Holy Spirit, that we'll, we'll keep in step with you, that we'll open our lives up to you, and that you will, you will, you will fill us with the capacity to uh, live out of a place of love, not controlled by the various parts of us, our pain, our past, our habits, our hang-ups, our hurts. And I pray that we'll have the courage to do this. Lord, it's hard, but it's good. Help, help, help make, make us a, a community where this is lived out and a community, therefore, that is an enormous blessing to a world that is actually quite selfish and lost so much of the time, even though they don't want to be. And I pray, I pray right now for, for those, those of us who are struggling. Maybe, there are, maybe you're here this morning and, and you're in a place of enormous relational or psychological pain maybe you've really made some dumb choices up to this point and if this morning you want God to come and forgive you and and fill you and set you on a new path just ask him just say a simple prayer Holy Spirit fill me Holy Spirit Help me to love. Holy Spirit, forgive me. Holy Spirit, heal me. Amen. We're going to sing. I'm going to invite our beautiful musicians.